Hey there, and welcome to Franchise Me. I am Andrew. And I'm Ryan. And this is a show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week, we will talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we will compare and rank them among each other in order to find out which one is truly the best. Gold standard here. This week, we try to take down Skynet. It's Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Here we are. How you feeling? Um, good. Good. Here we are. Terminator 3. Now, obviously, we made our big triumphant return back behind the microphone last week. <laughs> it was very triumphant. Well, you could tell in the episode, listening back to them, like, man, we were really excited. <laughs> we were pumped. We were really pumped. And I fe- we had a lot to say. We really were just going. And it was funny because you, you have a very funny thing where you talk about the run times. Yes, yes, yes. You talk I about do. the run times for these movies and you're like, oh, it's a little long, it's a little long. But we're clocking out like two, two, hour, two and a half hours. I episodes. realized it, and I did say this to you today, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I have been quoted saying like, oh, two hours, 17 minutes for Terminator 2. That's a long run time. And, and I realized <laughs> our episode is two hours and 15 minutes, you know, so I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say anything about the run times anymore. Yeah. It's a little bit of a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, but, it's very funny. But you know what? The way I always view this podcast is, like you mentioned before, like, you know, we we kind of don't have a limit. Right now, we don't have any anybody to answer to. No. We're kind of doing whatever we want. And we never will. <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody writes a big enough check. If they do that James Cameron and they write that big enough check. Look, if Earwolf calls us up and slides <laughs> that across the table... Earwolf's pretty great. And we turn it over and we go, yeah, Earwolf's pretty great. And it'll be like it'll be like 500 bucks for each of us. And we'll be like, oh, this is really great. <laughs> you know what? Terminator Genesis, it's pretty great. It's a pretty great movie. At least the way I looked at it is, hey, we're running a little long. Pause us. Come back yeah. to us. You know? Yeah, it works. It's a little easier to come back to a podcast than it is to come back to a movie. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. So, yeah, for so sure. So that's how I look at it. But yes, yeah. I'm glad you addressed that. <laughs> I did tell you I kind of wanted to address you know, a little bit of the elephant in the room. Yes. That, you know, I am aware that we run a little long sometimes. But... <laughs> Maybe today will be a little quicker. We'll see. But yes, we are back. We're doing the third Terminator movie. I do just want to say, before we jump into this, I just have to make amends for something quickly. I have to apologize for some misinformation I threw out there last week. During the Terminator 2 episode, I uh, said that James Cameron is the greatest American filmmaker of the last few years. He is a great filmmaker. The only problem is that uh, James Cameron is Canadian. We didn't know this because we do no research on the show. We do. <laughs> you do. I, I didn't research anything, though. And uh, I looked, I for whatever, I was just on his Wikipedia, and I pulled it up, and I go, oh, he was born and raised in Canada. This is, uh, he's a Canadian film director. So I'd like to amend that quickly and just say, James Cameron, you are uh, the greatest Canadian filmmaker of the last 30 years. <laughs> hey, n- North American. He's the greatest North, North American. American. Yeah, that's yeah. how we'll amend it. It's the greatest North American. It's, it's okay, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's close enough. And I did offer to, you know, just slide that little North in there, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> Re-edit the entire thing. But no, you know, here we are. We have talked about how this was the movie that we kind of, out of this entire franchise, maybe weren't looking forward to the most. Yes. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. We have two incredible movies, groundbreaking movies, influential movies. I have a legacy that will live on forever, yep. right? Yep. This movie's not that. No, no. <laughs> no this but, movie's not that. It's... It's, it's different. Yeah. It's not that, but and, it's and something. We'll get in there, but I guess, are we, are we good? Did we, did we get all of our no, men's yeah, out? I think we, <laughs> that's all I want to correct because, you know, I just don't want to put misinformation out to fans who are like, oh, he's American. No, he is Canadian. Yeah. He deserves he deserves that. At least. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's just jump into it then. We have a release date of July 2nd, 2003. Ooh. So yeah, obviously, again, they're going for the 4th of July yeah. weekend, kind of like what they did with Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. This is directed by Jonathan Mosdale. So not James Cameron. So- <laughs> 
<laughs> that name is not James Cameron. Who is Jonathan Mostow? Has he done anything? You just of mentioned note? it, and this is probably something I should have looked up. But uh, you know what? I have. Oh, okay. But I'm glad we have smartphones because that's an answer I can, I can give you in just <laughs> we'll a look, second. We'll look into it right now. But no, so he is not. James Cameron, and this is the first movie in this franchise to not be directed by James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. You can, well, and James Cameron's not connected no, in any way. Like, no. He's not even a producer on no, this film. Nope, he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So here is um, Jonathan Mosdale. Really hasn't done uh, too much. Uh, I can run down his filmography really quick. As a director, going back to 85, Fright Show. In 89, he did Beverly Hills Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he directed uh, Breakdown, U571, Terminator 3, Surrogates, and The Hunter's Prayer. So really... Nothing oh, so I'm not really familiar yeah, with. Kind of sounds like Terminator 3 was the big one. He was an executive producer on Han- Hancock, and oh, okay, he was an executive yeah. producer on the game. So he's been okay. involved in things I'm familiar with, he's not as a director. Right, right. Those are very big movies in their own right. Yeah. But it sounds so, like the biggest thing he's directed is T3. It is, yes. He's not bad. I don't think he's a bad director. No, but no. The big thing I think we're going to be talking about in this conversation, and I kind of already mentioned it, is the legacy. Yes. You have these two movies that came out. T2 won Academy Awards. Both of them are on the American Film Institute's lists of, you know, some of the greatest thriller movies, action movies, sci-fi movies. Right. The quotes, the characters, like, these are being recognized as being influential and important. Yes. Again, that's a big part of James Cameron. That's almost an impossible task to live up to, right? When you're you're trying to follow T2... It's, it's going to be tough. Exactly. So what he does accomplish in his movie, he does a fine job. Like, I, I don't think that he's necessarily bad, but, you know, when you... Like you mentioned, the greatest Canadian director. <laughs> the greatest Canadian know, director, yes. Um, you're trying to follow up James Cameron. Yeah. How do you do that? It doesn't matter what director. I think any director would have struggled to follow up this movie. And yeah. I really, honestly, I don't feel like there was a way you could do it yeah. to make it better than T2. Maybe this guy took the movie and already accepted it wasn't going to be better than T2 and just said, let's have fun. And let's make it my own. Let's yeah. make it our own. Let's make it know? our own. And let's not try to make it better than T2 because that is already such an influential, incredible action movie that changed the action genre as we know it. And is, as you said last week, James Cameron's masterpiece, which it is, you can't follow that. You just can't, especially if it's not James Cameron directing. It's just not possible. Well, like we said, like with T2, I don't think anybody else could make that movie, right? So so how do you top that if you're not James Cameron? Like you could go and get maybe somebody like like we mentioned, as a Zemeckis or even a Spielberg, but I don't even think they could do no, it. I don't. I really, I, I don't think. I, I think if they did it, it just, I don't think it would hit. I it, really don't. I don't think it would hit. Anything you're going to do without James Cameron, and as we go into later movies, again, this is a conversation right. we're probably going to be having a lot, is it kind of feels like a cheap rip-off, almost. Like, yep. like you watch and goes, well, this is technically Terminator, but it doesn't feel like Terminator. Yeah. And I think that that is the big problem with this franchise. Mm-hmm. Again, something that we will explore more in the retrospective episode after we have seen everything, because we still haven't seen uh, some of these movies in this franchise. we got two left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have not seen Genesis or Dark Fate. Right. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to bring. Maybe we're really impressed by him. We've talked about how we're looking forward to Dark Fate. Yeah. Again, but who comes back for Dark Fate? James, James Cameron, Cameron. Right? He's in, at least involved in it, right? Well, he's a, he's a writer on the film. He, he does not a, direct it, but he's story. It. He, he yeah. does a story. He actually he's, does no credit for screenplay, but he did the story. Oh, he he's came credited the for a story. story yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, he, yeah, he's he's there and he is involved in the process. Right. My props to Jonathan Mosta for trying it. And I again, mean, I don't think he does a bad job. 
No, but I mean, you, you have to give the guy props just for agreeing to even do it. Because I have to imagine there was a lot of directors who maybe passed on this before it fell into his lap. You know, and just judging, again, there's no disrespect to him, but judging off his filmography before T3, it didn't really seem like he was directing anything that was huge. So this seemed like it was the biggest project to come his way. And if you're, you know, if you're a hungry director who's looking to break in, I mean, yeah, take T3. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like if you or, I, you or I were in that position too, and we were like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Like, it gets our name out there yeah. it attaches us to this franchise like absolutely like yeah. you take it so i think maybe that played a part of it absolutely but. absolutely so let's talk about the writers this is written by john brancato and michael ferris mm-hmm. uh two writers it's fine again you know it is a different story again it's it yeah. is the exact this is the exact same conversation you know james cameron wrote those movies william wisher did help him whatever but right. james cameron more or less wrote those movies and again yeah. those are his babies yep. those first two so what do you what do you do here? What so do do? the story, you know, we'll talk well, on that is kind of a rehash of of two of well one and, one two, and two kind, kind of, of mashed together. Right. It's kind of that's what I was. Yeah. It's kind of this mashed together thing where it felt like they were trying to take maybe the best parts of those movies and combine them. And I just don't think that's the recipe they needed to make this a great screenplay. Yeah. I think they should have just written their own completely original story yeah. and made it their own entirely instead of just kind of doing what we called off mic kind of a homage story yeah that's that's what it feels like so let's jump into this cast yeah let's do it starring arnold schwarzenegger as the terminator nick stahl as john connor christiana loken as the tx claire danes as kate brewster david andrews as lieutenant general robert brewster and we get a little cameo from our dear old friend earl bowen as dr peter silberman Pops up there. Oh, yeah. uh, do you want to? Let's just talk about him real quick because he's in. He's in one minute of this what movie. What a weird cameo! What <laughs> well, a weird cameo! He actually has, you know, outside of the main like four uh, we talked about last week in this franchise, he kind of has like the greatest like character arc, right? Because he goes from like this: I don't believe you at all. I don't believe any of this. You right. are crazy. Right? Uh, Carl Reese is crazy. This is all crap. And then in T two, he experiences one: he's taken hostage by Sarah Connor. Right. And two, he witnesses... Terminators. The, the, yeah. Well, he witnesses Arnold, but he doesn't... You know, he looks like a human. Yeah. But then he witnesses the T-1000... Yeah. Sliding through the bars, and he's... It breaks him. It kind of breaks, breaks him. And him. <laughs> clearly, and, and this is years later, and he is older. Yes. This is him kind of like... Still trying to <laughs> give the advice, but like, when when once again, somebody is saying this story of these robots and these whatever, yeah. and he's kind of like... He's kind of sad. That's when he starts like, I believe that he lived a normal life. Yeah. But like, once this story came back again, he's like... The screw started he's to start- come loose. He, and- <laughs> he sees Arnold again, and he's just like, oh my, oh my God. God. Looks ex- like... Looks I mean, exactly the same. Not exactly the same, but yeah, he looks exactly the same. To more him, or less. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And you're like, oh my god, like I'm, I am nuts. And he kind of stumbles off. <laughs> he kind of stumbles off, and that's his cameo. Like he literally comes in, he's just like, hey, I'm a doctor, da da da. You know, is everything? Sometimes, like, we sometimes we experience things we, experience we can't things. explain. And then Arnold walks into the. They're not in the he, same frame together. He when walks he sees Arnold, you know. and he just goes like. Oh my god. You can just see him losing his mind in that moment. Like, I can't believe this is happening to me again. It's like this crazy character arc for this guy where it's... (laughs) 
it's just it's very funny yep. and it's very comedic but i love that they brought him back for this movie yep. just to show yeah he probably went crazy after this movie <laughs> <laughs> and this was his uh this is actually earl bowen's last on-screen uh oh, appearance really he did some voiceover work after that but right. he, he's never gone back in front of the camera apparently unless something happened since the information was written wow uh, so he doesn't appear what, in any other terminator movies oddly like fitting end like he goes out on like the thing that kind of made him famous but also this franchise he's attached to and kind of goes out on this note of being crazy and then never appears on screen again maybe he just did it to a favor to like the producers or you know hey terminator's calling again oh yeah because i know james cameron's on bob but maybe maybe arnold talked to him maybe probably yeah yeah, maybe Arnold. you want to come back it'd be really fun (laughs) or really show that you went nuts we'll make everybody think you're crazy uh, do you want to do you want to start at, at Arnold or do you want to work your way back? I think it's easiest to start at Arnold and work yeah. our way back because he's kind of just he's the recurring character yeah. in every one of these movies. Yeah. So let, let's yeah. let's hit him first. So Arnold is back, as you mentioned to me. He does look older. You know, I mean, obviously, I, time has passed, and I fully am aware of that. He does look older, and I, I only mentioned it because we'll get into this a little bit later. But I felt like maybe this was a little bit of a paycheck movie for Arnold. We'll talk about that. Okay, it is. <laughs> so. <laughs> It is. It feels like it's a bit of a paycheck movie for him. You know, he walks in the frame and look, he looks great like body-wise. Like he's still really ripped. You know, he looks really good. Like he still does the, when the Terminator arrives, he looks ripped, looks great. But the close-ups on his face, you can start to see that age coming through and you're like, oh boy, like he's, and I, I didn't totally understand why he came back again 10 years later or over 10 years really to do another Terminator. But anyway, the performance by him, it's different. It's mm-hmm. very different. I think a lot of that is also credited to the writers who maybe took some liberties with his character this time around. Maybe um, they didn't understand his character. Maybe they didn't understand his character because he he says a lot of comedic lines in this. Really, he's kind of, in a way, the most comedic character in the movie. If you really mm-hmm. want to break it down, he is the most comedic character. He gets all these quote-unquote funny, some of them work, some of them don't, funny lines that he's supposed to say, one-liners, quips, this whole thing. It feels like a bit of a phoned-in performance from Arnold this time around. As, as much as I liked him, and as, as incredible as he is in the first two movies, he, he still brings the Arnold energy, but it's nowhere near what he's doing yeah. in two or the first one. And I feel like maybe that's a credit to the writers a little bit, mm-hmm. taking liberties with the character. Well, as far as like his body, I just want to say too, that he put in the effort, and he said that apparently, according to him, he got his measurements to be exactly the same, or more or less exactly the same as they were in T2. Oh, that's like, cool. He got his muscles and his measurements and everything. So he, he got he physically got into the shape he was in T2. So he so he's dedicated in that sense, yes. which is great. It, but, you know, and I'm not saying that he wasn't dedicated. Also, but. this is you know the most famous bodybuilder in the world. And if they're saying, hey, we're going to pay you X amount of money <laughs> to get in shape, he's probably not complaining yeah. because he probably I know it's difficult and I know it's hard and I know right. even for him it's hard. But like, well, especially it's, by this time, he's in his fifties. Exactly. But still, like I'm sure, like he, I I feel like deep down he just he loves that like he he's still involved in, in the world of body bodybuilding yep. he's still involved in you know if anybody does bring that up or like like i mentioned like he right. sees linda hamilton and she's ripped and yep. he's freaking oh out. my god <laughs> you're so ripped so like he, he gets excitement out of that stuff so i think that's kind of his first love in a way exactly exactly yeah. so you know he's probably not necessarily complaining right that you know he has to that he has to get ripped exactly again. Right. again i know it's way harder than it ever was for him i'm sure yeah. at this time at that age I'm yeah sure. yeah but even to today he still looks jacked and ripped just not as big because right. i mean he's in his 70s and right. nobody wants him to, if he looked that big <laughs> like you got a problem his character does feel different and again i understand because he is playing a different version of the terminator right 
that's something that it feels like they explored. Like, I guess because in the first movie, he was evil. And in the second movie, he was good. And that's obviously the character development alone. Or, right. or a huge part of it is that the last time we saw this actor in this role, he was this horrible killing machine of a villain. Right. And now he is this, you know, this guy, this Terminator who's hanging out with children mm-hmm. and, you know, saying hasta la vista and things right, like right. that. Pardon my terrible Arnold. So I guess they felt like they needed to grow him and change him. He feels more aggressive in many ways. Yeah. Not that he ever really had enjoyment about being around in T2, but he seems like he, he almost seems like he's bothered like to be on this mission. Yeah. Throughout. And maybe again, that is because kind of the twist of this movie or part of the twist of this movie is that John Connor didn't send a Terminator back. Right. Kate Connor or Kate, Kate Brewster. His, his wife. His wife Soon in the future. Wife. Yeah. Yeah sent him back and so when his through his interaction with john he's kind of cold and kind of like aggressive because that's not the person he's supposed to be responding to right he is a little bit more sympathetic to kate but it's kind of a turnoff because he doesn't interact with kate Mm -hmm. that much yep in the movie and most of his interactions again are are with john connor and john connor has these memories and we have these memories of watching this character bond and have this friendship with this child and we kind of want to experience that again. And they sweep that under the rug pretty quickly. Yeah, it doesn't matter in this movie. Yeah. It, 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 is, even it is weird. Like, even when he sees the Terminator again, like that should kind of be, a, not for the Terminator, but for John Connor, that should be this kind of like emotional, moment. heavy emotional moment. And he, Nick Stoll is, is fine in his performance in that moment. And, and we'll get to him in just a minute. But I guess like in the writing, like you could have done more with that. John Connor is meeting the Terminator again for the first time. He, his mother is gone. He has no family. He has no real interactions with anybody in his life. And this thing that was essentially his father, more or less. Like, he never met his father. He never spoke to his father. He will one day. He will one day. We'll get to it. Salvation next week. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, this thing that it was essentially like a father figure to him is back. And there's like no real, like, you know, he's kind of, he's in shock. Right. And And even when he appears, he kind of just stumbles back. Yeah. And looks like afraid of him. And then he delivers the line like, Hey, you don't remember any of that? And, and, and you know, the T-1000, Asta La Vista, baby. And, and he should know that, of course, this is a different term. Yeah. It's just a little bit... They kind, they kind of dumb him down a little bit. I Maybe they could have worded that better. Like, hey, all these moments that I shared with this other version of you. Like, yeah. like addressing, hey, I know it's not you. Should, should we move to Nick Stahl? So um, well, let's finish up. Let's okay, finish up. Okay. Arnold. So I'll, I'll come back to that. You're right. You're right. I don't mean to slide no, in No, no, no. I was just saying because we were going off and I'm like, maybe yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, he, he is very comedic. And you're right. The line did not bother me as much as it bothered you, <laughs> but it is stupid. It's a the, dumb line. They try to give him the third iconic line and it is. Talk to the hand. And it doesn't really <laughs> it work. It doesn't work at all. I like his moment in the beginning when the guy says it to him and he physically actually talks into the hand. Yeah. yeah. I actually thought that was a better comedic moment. They probably should have just gone with that. But there, you're right. There are a lot of comedic moments surrounding Arnold. And yeah. those are some things that maybe we'll talk about in a little bit. But like the talk to the hand stuff, mm-hmm. both both to him it being said to him and him saying it. Yeah. The glasses. You know, he walks out of the... Well, he keeps, multiple yeah. things with glasses. Oh. But he walks out of the bar and he puts on the glasses yeah. and like the Elton John star glasses. Yep. And he takes you know. them off and drops yeah. them. Yeah. And then the different variations on I'll Be Back yeah. throughout the movie. It's just, it, it all feels a little like off. over, it, it off and maybe like they're beating you over the head a little bit. Like, hey, remember Terminator 2 and the first one? Hey, isn't this, remember this, remember this? Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't sit well. It, looked, it, it feels like they looked at 
T2 and went, oh, what the best moments of Arnold are when he's being funny. So let's just give him a ton of funny moments in this movie. Yeah. And it's not what I necessarily wanted to see out of the character. And that's not necessarily so. the Terminator. No, that's not, that's exactly you know? what I'm saying. Yeah, no, yeah, so. it just it, it it doesn't work. But yeah. anyway, so let's move on to Nick Stahl. He is our John Connor. He is our John um, Connor. There have been a, a lot of John Connors, and we still got some John Connors coming. Just hope. I think there's like three, two more, right? Uh, there's two. There's two more. Yeah, there's yeah. one next week, and there and there's one in um, Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, but yeah, this was kind of a controversial thing. I I, I looked this yeah. movie up, and and people kind of were like, "Oh, Nick Stahl's terrible. Nick Stahl's terrible." I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. John Connor. He's not Edward Furlong, but right. that is a different type of performance because right. Edward Furlong's playing him as a child mm-hmm. and he's trying to portray him as, you know, early young, early to mid teens. Yeah, exactly. Right. A young man. And it is different and he's been through different experiences. Mm-hmm. This whole movie takes some liberties with like, you know, the the what's happened or what's kind of supposed to happen or right. whatever. Right. And, you know, he's on his own. He's this rogue or, or just lone uh, man who, who does, again, like I mentioned, doesn't have any connection with anybody. And he's just living his life. And and they give him an interesting story of like, like we mentioned, this is supposed to be the most important man in the world. Right. And he's supposed to lead humanity in this future war. Well, what if that future war doesn't happen? Right. What is his purpose now? And he doesn't have a purpose. Right. And we see him dealing with some issues and loneliness and, again, like this constant fear because even though it's not happened, uh, this future war, he still, his mother is drilled into him. It's you coming. Know, not not to use technology or computers or to always be on the run or to right. always you know to always have They're your always going to be tracking you. exactly like you know and he is he can't shake that and that is an interesting story around him and Nick Stoll does a, a fine enough job with that sure. but but maybe I don't know I don't want to say I, he was a bad choice for the role but I don't think he was he's not a bad choice but he wasn't the best choice no, I think that's what it is no and there um, is when we get the casting uh, there are some other choices and maybe there were some better choices yeah there. there are moments where he really works in this movie I want to be clear about that there are moments where he does really work but there are other moments where he really falls flat and it just doesn't work yeah. and I don't think he was awful I'm kind of in the same boat with you I thought he was okay you I know, thought I, 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 I'm leaning to, to pretty good you know decent like pretty decent good job like decent you know, okay yeah yeah good For, yeah. again so, I don't I think a lot I of think the problems, preference well not even that i think a lot of the problems is not him it's it might be the writing. it's the writing it goes back to the i writing. really think that's, that that is it that's really what it is i but, mean as they always say acting starts with writing and that's really it, that really is what it is the moment where you know he finds out that judgment day is happening yeah. today right yeah. you know arnold's like you or you know you have a fate this is predetermined this is going to happen right, and right. he's like i make my own effing fate he pulls the gun like i think that's a great that's a good that's, scene that's, that's a, a good really scene good, that's and, a really and it's good a good scene. that shows what yes. he can do i agree with you i think that is a good scene and again that's one of the few that are really really good and i think maybe people get a little caught up in the bad because when you're coming off of t2 with a great edward furlong performance where he's consistent throughout the entire movie and then you get to this one and it's so up and down where there are moments it's really great but then there's moments it's really bad i could see the fan base being upset that you know this is the john connor that i want to see and it is funny because you know i think we're gonna even maybe touch on this next week and the week after there could be an argument made that the only time they really got John Connor right was T2. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this week as we talk about 
Nick Stahl, it's not the best John Connor at all. No. Next week, we're going to be talking about Christian Bale in that role. We have things to say about that, and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. And then there's one more guy in Genesis. We haven't seen him yet, yep. but I think it's fair to say it's not going to be the best. Yeah. And I think there can be an argument made that because we had this great John Connor, and then we go into this one, it's like, this isn't what I wanted. I wanted to see like John Connor really being a leadership, and we kind of get just this. And I totally understand the vibe, the the place they're coming from whether like he's aimless he's directionless he's on the run all the time he's you know he's doing he's very very off the radar mm-hmm. but moments where i think he really needs to bring it up to another level yeah. he misses those moments yeah. more often than not and like you said the gun scene is really really yeah, good. yeah, yeah. but like we were just saying when he first sees arnold it's not an emotional impact he's for him. He just kind of sees him and goes oh he even says like to arnold's terminator later he's like you know you were like a father figure to me even that whole scene wasn't exactly great for me yeah. so i don't know nick stall he's he's decent yeah but by no means he, is is on the level that edward furlong was working he's before before we finish him up we'll just say this he's missing like the, the gravitas in certain yes. scenes certain scenes he delivers it and not just the gun scene there's a scene uh, that i don't want to mention now talk about it later that sure. he really brings that right, right and again it was a kind of a, a really ballsy move by the film to right. even do it <laughs> But it, it, it is tough because, like you mentioned, we had a great, you know, the great Edward Furlong performance as John Connor. But, like, they kind of made promises. And I think this is where a lot of the fame base is coming from, from right. what I've seen. Right. Like, they made promises about what to expect from John Connor as an adult. Yeah. And Edward Furlong was great, but he was a kid. And right. it's not the adult John Connor. So I want to see a, adult John Connor and even... You know, I know he doesn't real, he doesn't have any lines, but like the the five second shot that we see of the adult John Connor in T two where he's scarred up and whatever, like up, people yeah. will say like well, I want like not that guy, but like where's that? Where's like that, where is the leader of the resistance? Exactly, he John is Connor. clearly the leader of the resistance. He has clearly been through hell, right? And still fighting. Like where is that? Where's that John and, Connor? And that is something that we really, as far as I know, don't see in yeah. this entire franchise. And yeah. I think that is the problem that a lot of the fan base has is that you know hey he's fine but this isn't the john connor that i was promised now again that's because this war didn't happen right he right. hasn't experienced those this john connor has not experienced what that john connor has right that because of the timelines and because it's a, of the it's thing, a previous it, it is yeah. confusing you know yeah. but you get that shot in the beginning though yeah well it, it, <laughs> Waving the flag. Nick Stall and like old older makeup. Old makeup waving, the, waving flag. the flag. And that's, that's cool, but like it's not it's not the Cosmo Kramer looking guy from T2, you know. It's no Kramer. It's no Kramer, um, John Connor. With the scarred off face, the you know what I mean? Face. So that again. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Oh. It's a place where you can make your own Terminators. <laughs> You stick it in the oven, Jerry. You put your cheese on, you put your sauce, your bolts, your nuts, and you slide it in the oven. Kramer, that's crazy! <laughs> Nobody wants to make their own Terminator! Oh, man. Okay. Oh, this better f- make it in. But, um, yeah, you get that scene of him in the future, but again, it, it doesn't have that weight, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We can move on. So, we have Christina Logan as the TX. So this is the Terminator of the movie. Yeah. They went with a female Terminator. Which is great. Like you said, really progressive really move. Really progressive. Especially for 2003. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, she is a very big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. She's fine. But again, when when <laughs> the last two Terminators in 
this franchise. Yeah. I texted you this. I sent you like a page and a half yeah. after I watched this yeah. movie. And usually we try to, if possible, hold our thoughts in until we get in here. But yeah. but some, some of the stuff we, like we've we been like spill out. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff that I'm seeing, I'm like, I gotta talk yeah. about this right, now. Right. Or whatever. When the last two Terminators you've seen are Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert Patrick, how do you even compete? Once again, that is the legacy of the previous two movies. Yep. That is the biggest enemy this movie has. Yes. Is that legacy. If this was the first one, it wouldn't work because it's so based off of, like like you said, references and homages to the other two movies. Yeah. But yeah. if they took all those out and it, this they warped this to be its own thing and it was the first one, it, I think it would be viewed better. Mm-hmm. Again, not to the legacy of the other two, right. but it would be viewed better because it, people are comparing this and trying to have this compete with right. these two movies that will live on forever. Yes. People will constantly be discussing them and breaking them down. Yes. But no, she's she's fine. She, she doesn't have much to do other than driving trucks and, and running. I, I, and I very little dialogue too, yeah. which is kind of a running theme with those terms. Terminators. There's yes. not really a lot of lines for them. She she's good, like you said, she's good. She does what she has to do. She delivers. I was gonna say just expanding that that uh, kind of progressive thing I was talking about. While it is, pro- I, I think it's incredible they cast a female in that role. I also want to say it was progressive in the way that they handled her entrance into the movie. She comes down into that mannequin, that store window, yeah. melts the mannequins. She comes out and there's just one woman across the street. Yeah. And she walks over, and obviously she's naked because we all know Terminator. You, you, you have see, to. You have to. You don't. You don't really see anything. It's not. You know. It's there, not about that. There's one butt she, shot, but it's not. It's, it's not, not focused a, in or right, anything. It's not focused in. And, and, and they Arnold's always, already done this multiple. Well, times. I was going to say they always do the back shot. Yeah. And you know, it's 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 not gratuitous. She just walks across, and I like that. It's just another woman. Yep. And they do that. They have their exchange where the woman's worried about her. And then obviously she steals the car. Yes. TX kills her, takes her clothes, steals the car. I thought that was a really progressive way to do that. I like that they kind of flipped the script with Arnold's character. They sent him into this nightclub with women. Whereas I was kind of like, I'm going to really not like this if they take the woman character and have her walk into like a men's nightclub. Yeah. Or um, a construction site or something where she's, or getting, constru- where she's getting surrounded she's by getting women. surrounded by yeah, men. Men and getting catcalled. Catcalled and they're just slobbering over and saying these like awful things. So I thought it was progressive in that aspect that they were like, let's just have her only interact with one other woman yeah. while she is nude. And we'll just do that and that's all it is. Yeah. And I really like that. I thought that was really pretty. I was like, yeah. that's really progressive. And then they kind of flipped the script. And with Arnold's entrance, he walks into the, you know, yeah, yeah, he walks and that's in the great, ladies, yeah. ladies night. We're going to talk about and that. And it's yeah. fun. It's a fun scene, but it works. And I just found that to be progressive. And no, I liked it. I agree. The only thing that they do with her that is kind of like, that kind of takes away from that a little bit is they have the really stupid scene where she is getting pulled over by the police officer and she sees a Victoria's Secret sign and she literally inflates her breasts. That's, that's yeah, it kind of um, takes away the power of what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, again, at least it's not like she's ripping off her top or anything no, like that. No, yeah, you're right. So, she's not, <laughs> there's no excessive sexuality yeah. things going on for yeah. the sake of it. I think literally the breast thing, it was entirely comedic. They thought yeah. that would be funny. And maybe in 2003... People laughed they, in the theater. They should have done I something. I didn't really laugh. I just kind of went, oh, that's that's something. I, well, I guess he's a different type of Terminator. Because I was going to say, they could do something where like Arnold blows up his chest. <laughs> like He gives himself more muscles. That would like, be great. But that I, I know great. he's a different type of Terminator. He, he can't change his like, form like that. Or just like an expanding crotch. <laughs> the crotch just grows. <laughs> Her Terminator design is a little clunky. Because it, yeah. feels, it feels like they said, let's take 
the Arnold, the T800, and the T1000 and throw them together because she's kind of liquid metal or she is liquid metal, but not not all the time and not as much as Robert Patrick. And I feel like, again, maybe maybe my eyes deceive me, but like sometimes she gets shot and it's like the Robert Patrick T1000 where, you know, it's like the holes and whatever. But then I feel like sometimes she gets hurt and it's kind of like the T800. There's there's robot robot parts or like it actually like hurts her more. Like that Terminator didn't feel like it was a more, like I feel like you put that in the T1000 dangerous yeah the, the t-1000 would still whoop this robot right absolutely. I, I don't know i mean again maybe well, is, that is it, robert patrick's performance i don't know but isn't, isn't it interesting though that she does feel like a mashup of one and two because that's really what this, what this movie, movie is. is exactly it's a mashup of one and two so why not have the terminator be a mashup of, a one, mashup and two. of one and two yeah. and it, it what, it, what i the vibe i was getting was like it was almost like she had the skin and then under the skin was like a liquid metal sheet yeah because and then under that was the actual robot, robot exoskeleton something like that because and I, I think they very briefly like he very arnold very briefly says like oh very dangerous and he kind of like gives a rundown of like what she is liquid or whatever but even the scene where like they got the magnet and she's attached to the magnet and the, the liquid metal is getting pulled off her which right. again is, is a cool scene yeah. but like she still has like a robotic form like she's right. still so like I feel like if that was Robert Patrick, he would turn to liquid or whatever. Because he doesn't have that form underneath. Ex- exactly, he's just he is just liquid. So right. I guess it is this combination that maybe there is an exoskeleton and and there is some liquid metal as well. Yeah. So I don't know. Weird. Uh, it is weird, but she's fine. But she doesn't necessarily stand out and it's cool to see you know this woman and, and again she is tough she is big but yeah. you know she's not giant well, it's you know just, it's just not the best terminator they've had on screen That's no but i'm it saying it's funny to see this woman like beat the crap out of arnold like yes. it, it is yes. you know this giant man like going against her and she's like pushes him and he flies across flies the away. room ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh and she has all these weapons she like fries the crap out of arnold yeah i, I yeah. don't know like again they maybe they could have explored the weapons that she has more or yeah. Because apparently she has a whole bunch of them. She has but a whole we, bunch of them. We don't, we don't see, see them. many. Yeah. No, we see so. the flamethrower and the little laser thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, we have Claire Danes as Kate Brewster. I felt bad for her because I felt the entire time she was in the back of a car. <laughs> half, the what, first half of this movie, The first yeah. half of this movie, she's literally thrown into the back of a truck and is locked in there. And that's where she spends, like, yeah. the first, like, what, 45 minutes of this movie? Yeah. She's literally in the back of a car? I mean, I felt so bad because I'm like, I really just want her not in the back of a car. Yeah. It'd be great if she could get out uh, and do stuff. But she's fine. She's fine. I-, I think she's great. This basically sets the lore up for, like, John Connor having a wife. Yes. And this character of Kate does come back in Salvation. Yes. Yes. Um, so, and again, I didn't know that they were going to do that. So I thought it was really cool that they introduced a wife to John Connor. That really made a lot of sense to me. And, and I was like, that's really cool. And we... we- Get, I wasn't sure what the TX was doing uh, when she started like hunting and she pulls all these names up yeah. and you know they we kind of get like a little bit of information of like one day John Connor is going to have these generals or these the like, his closest allies in the resistance yeah, yeah. and that are helping him win this his war lieutenants, lieutenants, his and lieutenants and generals. and generals so like let's just take them out and I think that's really clever because yeah. you know, because he is off the grid and nobody can find him right so we can't we can't kill him. Let's kill everybody Let's kill else all the and, leave, and leave them with nothing. Leave them with nothing. Yeah. So, so she, and she she's fine. Like again, not much to do with the first half of the movie, but uh, quite a bit more the second half. Absolutely. It's she good. has the role of like sh- we find out that she is the one that sent the Terminator. In yeah. The, past. The, the twist is like she sent the Terminator. And so he listens to her. So like she kind of a little bit gets like the the relationship with Arnold or like you know like the not not really fleshed out relationship, yeah, but you yeah. know like like you know the I'm listening to you. So it's like. 
cute to see like John Connor's giving him commands because that's what he did before, yeah, and he's yeah. like, no, he's and like, then she's <laughs> like, can, she says the exact same it. thing, yeah. and, and he's, he's like, like okay, okay. <laughs> it's a fun role for her, um, and she does well. I yeah. mean, it's you know, it's it's good. Yeah, I mean, and especially under the circumstances that she was for this movie, we'll talk about that later. Oh. She was put under different circumstances than a lot of the other actors. So oh, we'll, again, okay. we'll talk about great. that. Great. Nothing bad, but Kate has her relationship with her father. We get Lieutenant General Robert Brewster. Kind of, you know, he's not really in this movie that much. His his job is that basically he works for the government. Right. And he is the one that's going to launch Skynet. Yes, he's he is the key to Skynet essentially being launched. Yeah, and even he is resistant or reluctant to, to launch Skynet because yeah. he knows he doesn't like, even if it's for five minutes, giving up the control of the country or yep. all this information to this technology, to this AI, knowing that something could go wrong. And the second he does it, he's kind of like, oh, man. Well, I like that his role is kind of like the Joe Morton role from T2. Yeah. He's this family man guy. He has this daughter who he obviously loves very much. And, you know, also at the beginning, we should have said about Kate Brewster, she has... She's engaged or yes. has a husband. Yeah, or fiance. Fiance. They're engaged. Um, they're engaged. And that guy doesn't make it, though. He gets killed pretty quickly. But, you know, when we're introducing them, he's kind of this family man. And, you know, she's like, oh, you coming to dinner and all that. And it's, it's cute. And then suddenly they put you in this position where they're like, oh, he's going to launch Skynet also. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And you find out he's not an evil guy. Yeah, well, that, He doesn't again. want to do that. He's like... Oh, well, wait, this seems like a lot of personal information breach. It's yes. a security breach. I don't necessarily want to do this. And I like that he's kind of that Joe Morton role in this yeah. one where he's the guy tasked with this like insurmountable kind of terrible task. Yep. But his moral compass says, no, we shouldn't be doing yep. this. And just like Miles Dyson in that phone conversation, you know, you kind of get the vibe of this is not the best guy. Yeah. And no, he's, he's fine. Like he, he's fine. he wants to help. He he's wants literally to just doing them. his job. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he wants to protect them. So, yeah, I mean, that is the cast again there's other people in this movie but you know nobody really stands out yeah they mentioned she has the fiance you know he does have a little bit of a time to shine because the tx impersonates him yes so he has to be the tx and he doesn't blink or do anything (laughs) like that and and there's the really great scene the cops come and say hey your fiance's in trouble and it's actually the tx and you know he is in the cop car with them to go get kate and he just punches through punches right through the 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 seat and the cop yep. and starts driving the car how does that work I, because there's no foot on the gas unless the guy's i think like, it's yeah i think his body weight is okay. still doing it also that's a really long arm is she extending her arm i guess is she, she using had, the liquid metal to extend her arm because listen, he's not even leaning forward he's still sitting all the listen, way back we don't know what this terminator can do because we didn't get to see everything but i would believe that she has an extendo arm like that was, uh, that was probably like the big feature they were most happy about they're like but what if she's behind a cop and has to punch through him and grab a but wheel that that effect is looks gruesome great. and looks great yeah, yeah that, so that I, really looked good. i give it that so let's talk budget this had a 187.3 million dollar budget so, for 2003, yeah. that's a lot. Isn't it is it? a lot, yeah. You know, even more than the first or yeah. the second one. That's it. That's yeah. Oof. I think at one point this was near the top of the list of like some of the most expensive, expensive movies, movies at the time. Wow. Yeah. As, again, at the time. You know, right, right. Again, we get you we're know, now in the Marvel universe exactly where it's two, three hundred, yeah. four hundred million dollars, <laughs> which which is literally pocket change. Then yeah, now. a box office four hundred thirty three point four million dollars. So Oof. less than Terminator Two. Yeah, but still not a bad. Not I, bad. I don't know what went in the marketing or anything. 
anything like that, you know. So right. uh, maybe not as much as maybe we think, you know, that they got their money back. But yeah, it made some money, you know. It made some money. I mean, they made the money back and it does pretty well. When you say Terminator 3, you think, oh, this movie easily breaks 500 mil, yeah. right? And it doesn't even do that. Again, as we're going to talk about with this Terminator franchise, especially in retrospective, how it's a bit dead in the water. Yeah. This kind of seems like a sign of that to me yeah. where a Terminator movie doesn't break 500 mil, especially when you have had two really successful movies yeah. and this doesn't do that. For me, that would be a sign of like, maybe we should just stop here. After Terminator 2, it doesn't feel like the franchise financially is living up to what it could be. Yeah. You know, we talked about, and again, I understand it's different times, different situations, and you look at $433.4 million and you convert it to what it means today. It is more. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know what it is. Inflation I'm not going to try. Yeah, that. whatever. Yeah. It's not a comparison. I'm not trying to compare, but you look at F9 that came out during a pandemic and still made 700 something million dollars. Yep. yep. So this Terminator franchise just feels like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because people were hesitant because James Cameron wasn't involved. Maybe they were hesitant because because there's no Linda Hamilton or Edward Furlong or right. even Michael Bean or Robert Patrick. Like, you know, hey, there it's just Arnold, just this one actor and character carrying over. Yeah. It is tough. They do acknowledge and they do honor the previous movies, but it, it, it does almost kind of feel like a, a, a reboot in a way because it's been so long. You know, it's been what, 12 years? It's been 12 years since that release and it feels like maybe the promotion of this movie, maybe they thought to kind of get people into seats. I think they were kind of banking on just like Schwarzenegger's name yeah. to do that. Terminator, Schwarzenegger, that's who you immediately yeah. put and I think maybe that's what they were hoping for. Yeah, 2003, I mean, he was winding down his acting career for the time. He was, yeah, he was getting he, ready for a governor. He was going to become governor. Yeah. yeah, and he really didn't have interest in acting. I think this was like the last big thing he did before he did. Like he might have popped up. I know he made a cameo in like the Rundown with the Rock, yeah, and stuff like that. Kind of like smaller roles. Yeah, or, I mean, literally, he walks by in a hallway. Like it's like him passing the torch to the Rock. Like the Rock is in a hallway, and Arnold passes him, and it's like saying, "Hey, you're the next generation of action stars," and that's it. Oh, the Rock. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he really does a major role until after he's done being a governor. And really, right. I guess that would be Genesis. Really, I think Genesis, right? He did I again. Think he, he did a couple things. And, well, and I think uh, Expendables. Expendables. He was, was in Expendables some of the Expendables and, and Escape Plan. Those both came before Genesis. There you go. So yeah, he's popping up in some things. Yeah. he doesn't have the same height in his career. You know, his right. name doesn't have that weight anymore. So, right. but it's also been twelve years since the last Terminator. Yeah. So you have to imagine in that time, just other action stars have come and gone. On. Yeah, so that's absolutely, what it was. absolutely. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes score this had is it is actually certified fresh by critics at sixty nine percent. Wow, that's surprising. So, yeah, yeah, that's so, really surprising. It's not great. You know, it's not the 100 or the 93 no, of the other two movies. It's, it's fresh. It's fresh. Yeah. It is fresh. Interesting. Uh, audiences, not so much. It is rotten at 46%. Well, normally it's like audiences like it more and critics like it less. This is a situation of critics liking this more and audiences liking it less. Yeah. So that's that's very curious. Again, I think audiences had a different idea of what this was. Of what this was. You can tie this into the story, but I think what really bothered people was the idea that Judgment Day is inevitable. Like yeah. a lot of people had problems with that. Right. That they this whole last movie... It kind of devalues not Terminator 2 as a movie but the story of Terminator 2 and right. what they, and the what they did and the sacrifice of Miles Dyson right. and and the T800 it makes it feel like it all doesn't matter it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter because right. hey uh, Sarah Connor dies John Connor's alone right. Judgment Day's coming anyway and that's kind of what this movie does and it's yeah. like hey you know I really like this movie and now everything they just did in, in, in that one is it's not meaningful it's like paying so. homage but then at the same time 
kind of saying, well, actually, the stories don't matter. Well, literally, the major line, and it's it's in or featured in almost every single one of these movies, right. is no fate. Yeah. And that entire right. speech, right? It's literally no, no fate. fate. There is no fate. You make your own fate. Or I don't know what the whole line is, but but it is no fate. And right. he's basically saying, no, no, there, there's, there's fate. There's fate. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. You know? Judgment day is inevitable. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it, it, that line is crap. It means nothing. It means it, nothing. It carries no weight. Yeah. And it's funny because we come back to the idea of fate, obviously, I think, when we get to uh, dark fate, funny enough. Yeah. When James Cameron's writing again. Isn't that weird? Like, once he comes <laughs> back to writing, he's like, hey, this is like my technical third Terminator film. So that's interesting. But yeah. yeah. So what's your synopsis? What do you got there? <laughs> these movies are really challenging me with these synopsis. Well, this is such a, not a wild movie, but it's, it's a whatever story, yeah. so I'm curious. I'm always very curious about what you wrote. Wait till you hear Salvations. <laughs> but uh, let's do this one. Years after the events of T2, John Connor is living off the grid, struggling to accept his lo- role in life and still living in fear of the future. Despite Judgment Day being avoided in 1997, Skynet managed to survive and sends back the top-of-the-line TX. Because of his lifestyle, Skynet is unable to find John Connor, so they choose to have the TX target his future allies instead. When John finds himself in the crossfire alongside his future wife, Kate Brewster, they once again find themselves protected by the Terminator. The trio must work together to destroy the TX, prevent Judgment Day again, and finally stop the rise of the machines once and for all. <laughs> Judgment Day. Again. again. <laughs> uh, that was a good synopsis. Yeah. You did it. How many times can you stop Judgment Day? A lot, apparently. <laughs> we'll, we'll hit the story really quickly and go in our opinions because we've kind of been talking about the story. The story is very weak yeah. compared to the other stories. It's a mess. Because we praise more than the action and, and almost more than almost anything besides like the, the acting. Yeah, is the story. We praise the story and the world building. And, yep. and the world building here is okay, but the story is kind of... Eh, it's flimsy. It is it's flimsy. It's flimsy. You know? it, kinda, it just it throws away everything that was kind of important about the first two movies and kind of just... It does its own thing in the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much really here to discuss about the yeah, story. It's, it's not that interesting. No, it's not. So let's go into our opinions. And and I do want to say I feel like the first three Terminator movies Mm -hmm. are really great examples of the time periods that they were created in. Yes. Because we have a 1984 film, a 1991 film, and a 2003 film. Yep. And the 1984 film is about groundbreaking special effects Mm -hmm. and this creative story that is being built and being told yep. and this world that is being formed right it's all about creativity it's all about finding new ways to tell the story and to make this movie you know it right. features a lot of practical effects if possible mm-hmm. it features this groundbreaking uh special effects obviously some of them don't hold up but it, that's that's what that time period the 80s was kind of all about i feel like this is where right. we're getting right. a lot and again this stuff has happened before and it has happened since. But we are getting a lot of the really creative, really unique things that haven't really been touched on. And that's what this movie, that's what the first movie is. Right. Right. Going into Terminator 2 Judgment Day, early 90s film. And like you mentioned last week, kind of defining what an action movie in the 90s is going to look like. Right. Bigger, better mm-hmm. than it, than before. Right. In your face. In your face. Explosions. Almost nonstop acting. Right, right. But also, the strength of it is, you know, is fleshing out these characters, this world building, this storytelling, mm-hmm. that creativity. Yeah. And 1999, we get The Matrix, right? We see right. one of the most creative movies yeah. of all time. And 
Does that exist if Terminator 2 doesn't happen? I don't think it does. It's kind of defining what we will see in the 90s. Right. And then we get to Terminator 3. And it is this kind of middling 2000s action movie. Yep. And it is kind of like we're seeing the rise of nostalgia. Hey, remember, remember this? this? Remember that? Hey, remember that? Isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh, he's got a leather jacket on again. Oh, he went to another bar again. Oh, he's got glasses again. Yeah. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we said the line. Is, no, you know. we said the line. And oh, here's a new line. Yeah. Remember how he has an iconic line every movie? Yeah. yeah. So like, things like that, that's what we see a lot in the, especially the early 2000s. Oh, big time. And I think that that comes to be changed maybe around the time of Iron Man in 2008. Yeah. It's kind of bland. I feel like in the early 2000s, we got a lot of these bland... We really did. ...trying to be 90s action movies. Yes. Trying to copy what came before... Though, like we look at those and go, oh, the legacy of those movies is that it does define the eras and the and and paves way for what's coming. And this does kind of define the era. It's just not in the same way and, and kind not, of the the wrong best, way. Not, yeah, yeah, the wrong way. And it's it, you're absolutely right about that because the 2000s up. I would argue, like you're right, up until Iron Man and The Dark Knight, there was that eight year stretch there where action movies kind of just felt bland. Where mm. I, I think people were struggling to write a good action movie. And I think you're right. There was a lot of trying to copy the 90s and there was this weird thing where we didn't necessarily pass the torch into the 2000s and say here's the new thing here's the new thing because i would argue even 2008 that's late 2000s two years we're in 2010s so it kind of feels like maybe we just didn't hit that point where the torch was passed to here's the new thing do you know what it is and not to be political but i mean it's it's 9-11 Right. Like, I feel like 9-11 kind of caused that. Like, uh, the world was different. Uh, and especially yeah. America yeah. was different. It was a different time. So, like, we kind of, like, transitioned very quickly instead of, like, slowly transitioning and having those moments of a torch being passed. It was all of a sudden there's pre-9-11 and there's post-9-11. Those two worlds are completely different places. You are right. That so, is true. So, again, not to get political. No, no, no. But, right. but you cannot I mean, deny the impact that it, it had on America as a country, yeah. on the people that live here, on the entertainment we see, yeah. and our lives that we live. I mean, yeah. it no, did right. change everything. You're right. I mean, there is that post-9-11 world, and I think you're right. I think when we hit uh, the post-world, it was kind of like, let's go back to things that we love. Let's go back to let's, everything. Yep. Let's go back to everything that you remember and that you love, and we're going to rehash it, and we're going to do it again. This is a scary gonna, time. Let's give you the time. comfort you need, and I think it's like, that built like we in nostalgia. Like, we were in like comfort food mode yep. in America at that time so you're right I think it maybe it goes back to that and it's a shame but like it's really nice I'm glad that we got 2008 and we got two of you know the best superhero movies of all time in my opinion and then also kind of watch that grow into the 2010s Mm. but there was that that stretch where it kind of felt like is anybody going to do anything new or are we literally just in this world now where it's all nostalgia where it's all remember this remember that remember this I'm glad we grew but there you know it it was a little worse for a bit and again not that nothing creative came out between 2000 to 2008 that's no, not what good, we're saying there's good movies but, but I, I would say the action genre took a bit of a hit but I mean and even then I'm sure that if we look like we don't have a list of everything that came out in that time if we look I'm sure that there are but what I'm saying is it's not as big as it was yeah uh, there's not as many that are remembered and looked about look back fondly on 
at that time as there right. were in the 90s, right. the 80s, and the 2010s yep. going forward. So it was kind of this bland, just rinse and repeat, kind of the same thing. Here are all the beats you're familiar with. Here's yep. this, here's that. Let's move on, you right. know? Right. Cellular starring Chris Evans and Jason Statham. Yeah, it's, you know? it's just kind of ridiculous. I mean, I, I would argue that before even Marvel comes around, the big thing you really have to look forward to every year is like the Harry Potter. Yeah. You well, know, you have Harry Potter yes. and that's... And again, that is kind of the, you know, the fantasy. Like, I think we see a yeah. rise in fantasy. Uh, yeah. It is, I guess, kind of action movies, but not really. There are more fantasies, but you have Lord of the Rings at that time. Yeah, and that's early 2000s yeah, too. That is. I mean, so, that's 2001 to 3, I believe. That is an example of somebody showing off their creativity and doing that, but we're talking about more specifically in the action world yeah. uh, than, than anything else. Because yeah. we do have the Harry Potters and we do have Lord of the Rings, but that, like I said, that is the more the fantasy. And I think yeah. fantasy in that time period really, start to, really starts to dominate. Yeah. Action takes a back seat right. and fantasy is where we go. Not yeah. even sci-fi, just Straight fantasy. fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Take me into a magical world, literally, with Harry Potter. And again, maybe that is some of that escapism that people were feeling right. and people were looking for. So yeah. let's continue with our opinions. This movie was always doomed to disappoint due to the legacy of the first two films. Yep. I still think it's a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and... I'm not saying, at least right now, and that's what I want to do by the time we're done this recording is figure out if this is a good movie or a bad movie. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But it is a good time, I think. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it's it is. It's fun. I think the performances are still good, not great. But again, they fail to live up their premises. Yeah. When, you, when the four main people of the last movie you're trying to compete with are Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, <laughs> Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong's T2 performance, and Robert Patrick as the T-1000, I mean, how do you do that? How do you even do it? You don't. So... It does have some good action sequences. You know, there is the big, giant car right. chase. Right. But the problem is sometimes they need to know when to kind of end. And like that, I think it that goes going. on too long. It kept going. And you become numb to it. Like, yeah. it, it is cool, but it is, you know... By minute 10, you're like, okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, I've been, like, I'm like, we're still doing this. And yeah. it felt like they were forcing explosions in this movie. Right. It's like, hey, hey, people are getting bored. <laughs> let's, let's light some up like let's yeah. do an explosion oh oh they don't like watching the car drive boom that yeah. big explosion like, i mean you mentioned on the bonus episode for last action hero like somebody getting thrown into an ice cream truck and that blowing up yep it felt like that it's weird because you know i'm watching this movie and i'm like i'm like was michael bay a creative consultant <laughs> on this movie i mean like there's a lot of explosions yeah no you're right there's just like there's excess in action i think is what it is there's like yeah. this action excess going on where there's explosions there's long car chases and you know, I, the other thing I wanted to mention too is just how this movie is like set in a car for a really long time. Yeah, you did say it. You're and right. It, yeah. it feels like they're in a car for like a good 45 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God, like when are they going to get out of the car? And then they finally do and things get a little more interesting towards the back end. But I had a hard time kind of really paying attention to them just having these conversations in the car and the big, nothing's happening. The big action sequence is a car chase. Yeah, and that's the big thing. And you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with cars. I just want to see them do anything else. So and then they get out and then they get into a helicopter. Yep, and then they get out and they fly instead. They move to a, an air vehicle. <laughs> it, it, the one thing I, I, I do want to give props to as well, and I have alluded to this, is it delivers a very brave and I would even say powerful ending. I agree. I do uh, agree. They could have had the stereotypical we run into the last minute and we save the day mm-hmm. and instead we tricked you. It's not, you know, there is no core to Skynet. You yep. cannot take it down. Yep. 
You are now in a bomb shelter to protect you because John Connor, Kate Connor, you are now two of the most important people in the world. Mm -hmm. And we see in those last two minutes that John Connor that we've heard about. We see him step up and start to answer those calls yep. and start to become this war hero, this legacy, this prophet yeah. that we have heard about, this, dare this- I say, Christ-like figure. <laughs> We'll talk about salvation. But, but, but um, you know, that we have heard about yeah, for a long time. Yeah, guy we just want to see. Time, exactly. And in those two minutes, Nick Stahl is great. He delivers. You're absolutely right. In those two That's minutes. That's what I'm saying. Like, that is great. Yeah. But we... <laughs> We need more of that. We need more of that. And that's the problem with the franchise in general, I think. Yeah. That's really retrospective talk. Yeah. But I, it's one of those things where it, it's been frustrating to kind of watch some of these mov- these later movies now, these mid to late movies, because you want this franchise to do so much more with the John Connor character. Like, show us this guy. You've had two great movies to start with. Show us this John Connor. <laughs> I can understand why the fan base is like, why do you keep promising this, but then not delivering? The thing is, is it, I think it kind of goes, and again, I don't know. I don't want to speak off term or whatever, but I think it goes to James Cameron. I, As far as I know, like James Cameron never intended for adult John Connor to be main character in this franchise. Right. That's why he's. we do not see any type of John Connor in the first film. And that's why the adult John Connor that we see is just some random model, apparently, they threw some scars on and yeah. he's in this movie for five seconds. Yes. And he wanted to do that to establish his legacy and what he will become. Right. That five seconds is probably the best adult John Connor we get <laughs> That's... in this entire franchise. Yep. No offense to any of these actors. Right. But I don't think he ever intended, He, I don't think he has an interest or had an interest in telling that story and showing us that. Right. And expanding And now that we're getting it, but like they don't have anything from James Cameron to really lean on, we don't really know anything anything about John Connor as an adult. Right. We learn a lot about him as a kid. Yep. But it, what, what was he like? I mean, it's probably 20 years or whatever it is. Yep. What, what's going on in those 20 years? We don't know. And they're trying, other people are trying to step in and fill the gap, but they're, again, they're not James Cameron. They're missing the mark. They don't know what his intentions were. They don't, James Cameron seems to understand these characters in mm-hmm. this world. And he could probably, if he had an interest, write a, an adult John Connor story, but I don't yep. think he wanted to. I don't think he wants to And either. I think that that is the big problem going into this movie, and not just this movie, but, but Salvation and even Genesis they're trying to find creative ways to handle the John Connor character and show us this but they just don't know what to do because it was never established really like we know his goal we know his role we know a lot about him and what he's going to accomplish but we don't know anything about him yeah. personally and yeah. it's hard to do that it's hard to create this whole new character who doesn't really have a backstory yeah i mean we have this movies. character and now we have to give him this backstory but we need to fill this james gap. cameron is one of the most creative people in the world yeah. and could do that in probably five days yeah and he's really not interested in doing terminator no anymore so cause... you know we have to come together and look i might be a good writer but i'm no james cameron right and now i gotta try to find a way to i gotta fill create... this gap exactly yeah. so yeah i mean that's basically my opinion it, it, it is you know a kind of a middling 2000s movie yeah not um not great but not horrible not great but uh, horrible. better than i expected right at the time after watching i did give this three stars yeah i'm not 100 sure uh, where i'm gonna go with that maybe that's something we have to even do as we're logging off sure um but uh, i know you told me your ranking i know you told me a reason for your uh, or not right your rating yeah and you told me your reason for your rating but i think that my overall enjoyment i think i might at least for now stick with three stars because 
my overall enjoyment was like I really did enjoy this movie. I enjoy, like I didn't have any problems watching. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, again, it was better than my expectations. And I think the biggest problem with this movie is that legacy. Sure. If this did not have that legacy, I think people would be kinder to this movie. Sure. So uh, you're you're keeping it at the three for right now. Um, you know, as we're having this conversation, and another thing that really kind of affected my watch of T3, I think that made me rethink my rating just a bit by half a star, was watching uh, Salvation. I think after I watched Salvation, I kind of went, you know, T3 is better. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you know, this, this, and we'll, again, we'll talk Salvation next week. Spoiler alert. Boom. I kind of I watched Salvation, and then that kind of actually made me improve my rating on 3, because I'm like, these aren't the same movies. Yeah. 3, as wild as the storytelling is, and how, not even wild, but just how kind of, a little bit empty it is and kind of messy. It's still a fun time. It is fun. It holds your attention when it has to. Like I said, the car stuff is boring. I don't really care for that. But like Arnold's comedic lines, some of them are kind of ridiculous, but some of them really work. And there's there's some interesting things in here. And when Nick Stahl is on, Nick Stahl is on. Yeah. You know, and I, I do agree with you. The ending of the movie is really fantastic. That was probably the best part of the movie. Yeah. But like it... it I think I'm going to knock it up to three stars okay. because again, and this is solely based off of, I watched salvation. I think that's kind of the saving grace. I, I had a feeling that would happen. And I kind of, yeah, I watched it and I just kind of went, these aren't the same movies because mm-hmm. one is really much more enjoyable and I'd be more anxious to revisit. And one, not, it, not it, so much. If I put three and four in front of you I'm and say, you have to watch one of these, there's no hesitation. You don't even have to think about, I'm going to put this in. I'm, I'm putting three because yeah. it's a better. So thing. I understand that. I do want to say before we move on to uniqueness that you did text me as you watched this movie and you literally said this was a three star movie until Arnold did the talk okay, to the Okay, so I didn't like that. That's the big thing I didn't like. I didn't like that, you know, they were trying to give him iconic lines again and this was the line they focused in on for whatever reason and they thought this is the line. Like this is going to follow him for the rest of his life. This is the I'll be back and the hasta la vista baby of this movie. Here we go. And that day, I'm just assuming they walked in. They said, all right, Arnold, do it. And he just put his hand up and he said, talk to the hand. And I think everybody on set kind of sat there and went, that's not as iconic as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like yeah. it. I, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. You literally like, you're like, this, that, that line took half a star off my yeah. rating. It did. I just thought it was, it, it would clearly, the whole shot was designed to basically look like this is an iconic line. But honestly, I can't knock off a whole half star just for a line I didn't like. Because at the end of the day, it is a much more enjoyable film that I'm giving you credit yeah. for. So let's talk uniqueness. I think this will be pretty quick. What stands out to you in this film? I think the mid-2000s action vibe of it really stands out. Yep. It's it's certainly unique in that way. Just with, like you're saying, the kind of excess of explosions and the long car chases. Yep. It just yep. it feels like a bit of a carbon copy of a, of a 90s action movie. Yep. And also, I guess it's unique in the way that the Terminator, Arnold's Terminator, is a much more comedic character this time around. So, yeah. Yeah, I so I've said the ending. Obviously, the ending, the ending yep. because it is definitely unique. Not a lot of movies, especially at the time, would mm-hmm. do something like that. The noticeable use and abundance of CGI. You know, they, yeah, there is oh, definitely more reliant, uh, reliance on CGI here. And that's a 2000s thing. And, yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, that is exactly what I, what I mean when I say, like, this feels like it defines the 2000s. Yeah. Because there's CGI when, like, if you put maybe a little bit more money... Or like a little bit more time, you could make something that works. Yep. And even like, you know, we talked about like, even in the first movie when Arnold is opening his arm 
and like he's got it's the awesome. thing. It looks great. You know, yeah. he's, he's moving his fingers and everything. And in in the second movie, he literally rips off the skin of his arm. Yeah, and shows off his his his, his skeleton arm and everything. Again, looks great. When he cuts open his chest, it looks okay. Yeah. He cuts open his chest. It feels like a rubber chest. I don't want to get anything wrong. Yeah. But it, it did look like a lot of that stuff going on inside was CGI. Like, he had a little part moving in and out, and that felt like it was a CGI part. Like, it kept, I kept glancing down. So a lot of it did look, or maybe it wasn't, I don't know, but a lot of it did look practical or like it was actually there sure, sure. like again like maybe he's wearing a rubber stomach over his right you know, his, his stomach. exactly it, yeah. but it, there's like little glitches and movements that like were added it looks like added cgi and yeah it's like, it looked a little i off. can't you know whatever so yeah it looks like they're just throwing things in there for the sake of throwing things in yeah, there yeah. So, to do cgi and the liquid metal stuff doesn't look as good as it did in 91 yeah they really so. messed that up i don't know what happened there but so, they screwed that up uh, i did put arnold's performance uh not sure if that's good or bad you know i think again there's elements there's elements uh, but you know he is still kind of like the standout of this movie just because he's arnold you know what i mean the more focus on the comedic and almost parody like elements of the film yes. so they, they are making fun of themselves like you mentioned a mm-hmm. lot throughout this mm-hmm. film so it does feel like i know i've seen people straight up say this is a parody movie and this isn't a parody movie but right. they are they are definitely elements where they're parodying themselves yeah. you know does this bring anything new yeah i think it brings because uh, <laughs> my answer is honestly not really yeah, yeah. Um, maybe that was just my first reaction saying yeah i'm thinking about it now you I'm can like, say no right. well no i mean there's not there's there, there really isn't anything new i mean it's 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 not a great story it's it's a weird arnold terminator thing so I, you know what i'm gonna go with you i don't think there really is yeah because i mean basically everything here was done before in a terminator film yeah it's all kind uh, of the same thing i mean you would i guess you could say new is you know the the more modern cgi elements i guess is the new stuff but that's just time that's not yeah you know that you know cgi naturally unless you really mess it up but cgi in 2003 is gonna look it should look better than it did in 1991 yeah. yeah so but you know the only true new thing is kind of the heavier focus on the comedic elements of the film like that i guess that that's the new is that you know they are really trying to put the it felt like an action comedy yeah yeah, yeah. they're trying to make it more of an action comedy yeah, yeah. what is the best scene it's the last scene Easily. Yep. It's the last yeah. scene with um, John Connor in that bunker. I yeah. mean, him and... Well, I'll just call her Kate. I know she's Kate... Kate, uh, Kate Bish- Connor. It's Kate Brewster. <laughs> I Kate- was like Kate Bishop. Hawkeye on uh, Disney Plus now. Uh, <laughs> Disney, give us some money. <laughs> Disney, give us some money. But uh, I'll just call her Kate Connor for yeah. the sake of this because they become yeah, yeah, yeah. husband and wife anyway. But it's that last scene for sure in that bunker. Yeah. It's great acting by Nick Stahl. It's great acting by... Uh, Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Yeah. It's, it's really fantastic. That bunker just looks so good too. Like when they go down in yeah. it, it looks really good. And- and like you, I'm confused. I was confused. And they like don't explain the, it right away. And yeah, and I liked all like the old technology yep. they had there, like so nobody could really trace it. And he has the little radio, and he starts answering the calls. It's it's a really really great scene, and just that realization of what's going on. They both really deliver in yep. that scene of like, oh my god, like it's happening. Yeah, and this is where we have to stay while it's happening. I also did give note to the like I mentioned the giant car chase. With, you know, Arnold's on the crane and he's being smashed yeah, in yeah. the building. It's like, <laughs> hey, man, it, it, uh, it did look pretty good. It's fun. Uh, and it is fun. But, yeah, the answer is the ending. It yeah. is the ending. So, yeah. connectivity. How does this connect or fit in with the rest of the franchise? 
<laughs> I mean, this is a weird, as, as much of this is as this is a mashup of one and two, this fits into the franchise in a way that it shows us an older John Connor. Mm-hmm. It shows us what happened after Judge, after T- yeah. T2, essentially. Like, where did John Connor go after they, quote unquote, averted Judgment Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Judgment Day that was never going to happen is now happening. Yep. It shows us what's going on with John Connor, that apparently Judgment Day is inevitable. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's, it, I think it's kind of that as far as connectivity it's, and you know it introduces his future wife and all that good stuff yeah. and, and Arnold Arnold's always a connective yep. uh, tissue in this it, it's not a perfect fit by any means but it does fit pretty well yeah you know it, it does continue this overall story even though it does kind of reset you know the judgment day you know right, thing right. And, and the now it's inevitable yeah that is kind of the big thing why people really did not like this movie is right because they felt like it was taking away from T2. Yeah. It didn't really bother me because I knew about it. Right. I, I knew what the sending was before I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. I had heard about it. I, I, I know a lot about what is coming up in the next couple movies. Right. Um, well, I mean, obviously, like I mentioned, I had seen Salvation in theaters. Right. And uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk, when we about, talk about, that. about it next week. We keep teasing next week. We're excited for that one. I understand why people were upset because it does kind of take away that. And again, right, it breaks right. this overall no fate rule of the franchise. Like, Which is crazy. I can see James Cameron like sitting, not that he probably ever even watched this movie, but I can see James Cameron sitting in a movie theater going, like, and, and the, oh, Judgment Day is happening, it's inevitable. He's going, no fate! No fate! I, you know, I think, I, I think we could give James Cameron credit. I think he saw the movie. I really think he did. I think he went and saw the movie. You know, Direct, I, I bet directors he did. love movies, you know, yeah. and he loves Arnold. He, so he actually, and I don't have this on my fun facts. I don't think he actually did say he was asked about the movie after it came out. And he said uh, one word, great. Wow. So like so he did, he like did it. but then he came back years ago and said, no, nah, none of the movies after T two were good. So <laughs> so maybe he was just maybe there's that uh, check slung across the table, <laughs> face down. Hey uh, James, uh, did you like T three Rise of the Machines? He glances at that check. Puts it back down and goes, I thought it was a masterpiece. <laughs> I, I, I like to think he goes, it's pretty good. And they go, well, hang on. And they write and they another rewrite, check. They rewrite the check. What did you think now? It's, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I love that movie so much. <laughs> a very worthy sequel to my T2. So, is this a worthy continuation of the franchise? Mm-hmm. That's a tough question, man. Right? I, I really, part of me is, is, is a yes, but then part of me, there's a bigger part of me, I think that's a no. So here's what I said. I think the only reason why it's not yeah. is because of the legacy of the films, the other right, two films. Right, right, right. But I think that as we go through the rest of this franchise, I this will going- become more worthy and we will look back at this and go, kind of like the Tokyo Drift of this I think franchise. I think it's going to end up holding up And better. be like, hey, you know, actually that's not that bad, you know. Yeah, I, I think it is a yes too because, it, you know, it, it, it does expand the John Connor story in so, a way. And it's while it's not the John Connor we want, we get to see him become that exactly. sort of. So I, I think it's, I, I think it is, but I think you're right. I think this is going to be the Tokyo Drift of this where we're kind of going now like, eh, it's kind of a middling yeah, whatever. Like maybe even while like... we get to, <laughs> as we watch these last three, movies i think we're going to turn around and be like you know t3 is really not that bad no it's better than we it's better than than advertised and even at the last minute we might be going actually maybe maybe t3 is like here yeah yeah we might even shift it yeah we'll see i mean we'll see before we go into the casting and fun facts which you know i love so 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 much yes i do want to mention you know one more scene that i just remembered is i really like the mausoleum scene yeah where, where they go in the mausoleum the and we find out that sarah well we knew sarah connor was dead yeah but yeah and and we get her casket it just filled 
guns. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And it's such a Sarah Connor. Like, I could see Linda Hamilton going into this mausoleum with just bags, backpacks, and just bags, loading it and up. And just loading it up. Going, and then she just goes, just in case. Just, yeah, just in and case. Just, and she just, like, writes, as she's, like, writing what she wants done to her, she's like, she's like, cremate me, but bury my guns in this mausoleum. Yeah. Put my guns Put my, in the mausoleum. And my name on there and, and everything. So. I did like, too, that they that she still did pass in 97, like they said she would. Yeah. Because it still said she was yeah, she the, died in 97. The only like, question oh, I cool. had about that is he's, is that John Connor said she was diagnosed three years before she died. But that would mean she was diagnosed in 94, which means she had cancer during the events of T2. And that doesn't look like a woman that's got cancer in T2. I don't so, think, but that's part of the sloppy writing because they didn't they didn't research enough. That's, so, that's kind of how I felt. I yeah. felt like maybe they just didn't really pay attention and it, they kind of just. Wrote I, it. I don't know if you noticed that or questioned that too, but I was like, he's like three years, and I'm like, man, like because like I know obviously it was made in '91, but it's set in '95. They make right. that very clear. Right, right. It's only two years before the like thing, and I'm like, so she would have had cancer. At that she would have had cancer. I mean, yeah. I guess it's possible. But maybe she was in remission. I don't know because she's saying that she got like did they I don't, did they say she got treatment or did she kind of just ignore it? I don't really remember what they say. I so. imagine she probably ignored it. So but maybe I'm not maybe sure. that maybe that was just her. I don't know, I don't man. Know. I think I think we're she's looking, kind of we're looking way too I think into we're this looking anyway. Into it, I think really it's the writer's fault because I think it's just sloppy writing on their part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, that's kind of what I think it is. But but, but yeah, to end it, we get this really great shot of Arnold casket on his arm in one hand and the mini gun oh, on the other God one just <laughs> reminding me a lot of like the rock with his uh mini with his big gatling gun yeah and, and that deal. fast and furious yeah, uh, se- fast, se- yeah. six 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 no yeah, six seven no, seven seven fury seven yeah seven. Fury seven. you're right you're right yeah reminding me of that a lot because i was like so. oh wow that's really cool it's, that's a fun scene so let's go into it um, everyone's favorite everybody's favorite we say it every week and i feel like the people at home are going no it's not but <laughs> throwing popcorn at the screen everybody's favorite at their segment casting and fun facts and again i have another third section this week where we're going to talk about something specific Ooh. uh that because it was kind of dominating my fun facts and i was like let's move it along casting apparently edward furlong was originally signed on at one point to star in this movie mm. as adult john connor i did mention to you Last week that he has had substance abuse problems. Right, he had issues. Um, you know, through his life. And apparently that kind of played a really big part into why he was eventually replaced. Right. Also, uh, Jonathan Mostow kind of just felt like maybe he wanted to go in a different direction. I don't know. Again, I don't know what Edward Furlong even looked like physically at right. the time. So maybe he didn't fit the role anymore. He just wasn't looking. Um, yeah, right. but it, it, that is at least them trying to, you know, let's cast the same actor right. and bring him back. You right. know, because he is kind of the the one person, you know. And again, there are reasons. It's this these problems. But it is kind of the one person. I mean, I guess Robert Patrick, but he—that's he, not needed. He hasn't fit in the story. We haven't gotten Edward Furlong back. We get we get Linda Hamilton back. We get Arnold back. We've never gotten Edward Furlong back. I probably shouldn't say this, but there there is a thing in. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. I know. I, I, I was, was insane say, that for you. I, I know he he <laughs> is used 
in Dark Fate, but it's not really him. It's his likeness, yeah, and so yeah, it's a little I, weird. Yeah, but we'll so. get to it. We'll get to it. I'm sorry if you were saving that. No, I, I, no, no, I, you're fine. I, I don't look, know if I, you I was, know. I was looking at his filmography because we were and talking it said, about it. it. Says Dark we were talking about his filmography, and I, I was just like, oh, let me see what else this guy's done. And I kind of just went through, and unfortunately, it said Terminator Dark yeah, yeah. Fate, but, but then you, it, said, it said like facial, yeah, something. They, and I they went, took oh, his likeness. Okay, and I just you don't know, but you don't know what how they use them. I don't know how they use it. I just saw. All yeah. that he has a thing in it. Yes. And I went, so okay. for anybody who was listening, yes, I purpose. I know he's involved in Dark Fate. I purposely <laughs> left that out. All right, but, let's but now the, po- let's roll the podium out for Ryan. Do your <laughs> apology tour. But no, so that that is since since you know that yes, they do get him, but he's it's not the same. I I know it's not him. I know how they use him. Yeah, and it, it's not the same. You know, it's not it's not like he's featured prominently in the movie or whatever so but yeah it's basically you know they wanted john connor to kind of feel like a different character so Mm -hmm. they kind of decided maybe it's just best to go with somebody else right uh linda hamilton was offered the a role in this movie oh cool they did originally have sarah connor in the script yeah she turned down the film because she felt that the film didn't take sarah connor in any new directions and because james cameron was not directly involved in the film Good for her. She kind of, you know, was a little hesitant. Yeah. Even though it's interesting because, like we talked about off mic, that, you know, James Cameron and Linda Hamilton were married at one point. Yeah. And they, as far as I know, don't really communicate. But I guess that just show goes to show us how good of a filmmaker he is that yeah, even his I, estranged ex-wife or this this woman that he doesn't really have contact with, and at the time it would have been pretty fresh, they broke up in 99, well, is I mean, going, well, I, if James isn't there, I don't know if I want to do it. Do, do we know if they were estranged though? Or well, she she like... she has said because she talks about she did she's done interviews about talk uh, where she talked about get, getting involved with Dark Fate. Yeah, and she said Cameron called her and she didn't answer him because they don't really talk. Oh, so that's okay. what she said. Gotcha. He, she said he had to call her three times. Gotcha. And eventually she answered because she realized it was for a job. Right. And she didn't know why he was calling him. So she said right. they, they don't really talk. So I don't want to sit there and so say it's strange, well, think, but apparently they don't have a... Okay. They don't, they didn't, not that there's any... Uh, clearly there's no bad blood because she did the movie. Right. But but like, they just don't communicate. They right. don't have a so relationship. Th- there's no there's no personal relationship there anymore, but she still respects him as a filmmaker. That's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So apparently in the original script, Sarah Connor was intended to die halfway through. Oh, God. And she didn't really hold any type of significance in the film, so that's why Linda Hamilton's yeah, like, Yeah, good no, for her. I'm right. glad she said no. Around 10,000 women apparently auditioned for the role of the TX. 10,000? Yep. Good Lord. Uh, Arnold... Uh, did make a suggestion for somebody, oh. and apparently he originally suggested the professional wrestler China for the role of the TX. Oh my God, I got the I got an idea for a uh, TX. I know there's the ten thousand women here, but I got somebody. Uh, hear me out, China. No, She's... not the no, no, not the country. The pro the pro wrestler. Oh my, so ripped. She's so ripped. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I don't know how she would have done acting wise. Uh-huh. Like, but you know, again, you don't really need but to deliver the, here, lines here. But here's the thing. I mean, this is early two. We're already saying this is a middling action movie, a middling two thousands action movie. She would have fit right in because I think she's done those things. Yeah, where she's kind of been in those action movies that are great. Or like, I don't know. But I think I think she did like you know she probably like a role of a TV. She would pop up in a role of like a TV show at the time or whatever and be right. like. And I, I think she could have done it. Yeah, I, I do, and I think it would have fit 
later on where yeah. we were like, oh, okay, this works. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I think 2003, she was still pretty, you know, big. I know, you know, she, I mean, she was big, you know, again, unfortunately, she did pass away a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. She was pretty, you know, from when I saw, you know, strong and, and, and built till to the day she died. But, you know, in her prime, she was, you know, she was like almost like the female Arnold. Like, right. obviously not as, not as big, but like, you know, people were looking at her going, oh, oh my God. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she would have been great. At one point, apparently, Famke Jans- Jan- uh, Jansen from the X-Men films oh, cool. was believed to uh, receive the role. I guess, apparently, she did mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. They Ooh. did kind of go back and forth okay. on if they wanted the TX to be a woman or a man. And so there are uh, some casting here that is for a man. Sure. So apparently, this is 2003, Ooh. so a little movie in 2001 came out called The Fast and the Furious. No. And apparently, they thought about, hey, that Vin Diesel... He might make a good TX. Oh my god! And they and they they thought about him briefly. Putting so oh my god, how serendipitous! Condi- oh, you were saying that, this off mic. I told you that there was a connection between our two franchises. Wow! How great is that? Is that these two? We did not plan this. We did them back to back, and there is this connection, and that that's so great. That would have been so wild. Um, Could that movie handle two Jesus Christ figures? <laughs> well, you know what? I think he would have. He would make a great Terminator. I do too. I think I mean, to this day I, I, he would still make a great Terminator. I, you know, that's the kind of role for him because it, again, we've talked about Vin Diesel's acting about how he's he, he's maybe a little limited. There's things he can do and there's things he can't do. Terminators don't require too much. No, but he is a very intimidating presence, yeah. and he's got those eyes. And I, I do think you're right. I think a Terminator probably even today would just be like a game changer for him. Yeah. But funny enough, I mean, he is working with Cameron on Avatar. Yeah. Oh, so. Oh. Again, I don't know if they've ever confirmed he's even in those movies. But he's but, on the cast list now. Is he? Yeah. Like when I when you look on Wikipedia, I was just when curious he on the Avatar yeah. stuff because I'm like, when the, are these movies? Going, <laughs> when the f- are these movies coming out? I'm like, look, and it says apparently it's next year for two. Apparently 2022, and then they're going to be released every like two years after. Vin Diesel's on the cast list for two and yeah. beyond. He was asked about it uh, maybe like last year sometimes, and he was basically like, oh, I can't talk about it. So, so we have no idea. As far as I've never seen, James Cameron hasn't come out and said, "Oh, he's in the movie," but he's 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 gonna. I think I think he's gonna be in it too. Whenever we see them, I mean, it might be twenty thirty. There's no way that movie comes out next year. You think so? I don't. don't Oh, I would love to talk Avatar on this thing, but we can't because it's not a trilogy yet. Well, you know, one day, and, and again, day. I, I might try to take a little, you know, side road from this conversation. I might try to watch some of the iconic James Cameron movies, and sure. maybe in the retrospective episode, since that's already a ballooned episode anyway. Yeah. Maybe we can just quickly like talk about. Yeah, yeah, we'll go talk about it. it. But sure. that's if I have time. Right, right. You know, I'm a very busy and important man. <laughs> I, I have a podcast. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. So this man's got things to do. <laughs> Other names reportedly considered for the TX include Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Uh, Peter Wilson, mm-hmm. Lucia Riker, Carrie Ann Moss. She's great. Jerry Ryan, and apparently Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, well, I guess Shaquille would work at that time because he's uh, very in shape. He's mm-hmm. he's playing ball still at that time. Yeah, you know? yeah. he's, he's on the Lakers. He's playing ball. Um, so that would make sense. Um, Carrie Ann Moss would have been great too. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, she's coming off I, Matrix fame. I, so I, that would have been big for her. I couldn't... F- I saw this listed on IMDb trivia, but... 
I, like when I tried to look it up, I couldn't find any verification on it. That's why I didn't include it. But apparently uh-huh. one of the other names that was listed was Dwayne Johnson. Oh, that's interesting. That would have been an early career thing yeah. for him. Yeah. Then, because he's not really. Well, he had already. was when, I think he, he was doing. Scorpion King was 2002. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but The Mummy Returns came before that. Oh, um, that's such a small role too. No, right? I know. But, but, but right, he's in right. movies. You know, he's, right, he's right. starting his career, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been a big thing for him. And could you imagine if he actually appeared in this? Yeah. He might be. He might have been connected to the rest of the series. Yeah. That did it. I think yeah, at the time he would he would do better. I don't know if he could do it now because I think he has trouble kind of containing that charisma and that charm. Like if well, that makes we, any as sense. We, as we know, I'm sure he'd be like, okay, my Terminator needs to have the biggest <laughs> you could ever imagine. <laughs> so several actors were also considered for John Connor, including Shane West. Shane West. Logan Marshall Green. Mm-hmm. And maybe oh. the guy who should have gotten it, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> They passed on Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, I don't know if he maybe he passed, maybe I don't know, but I, oh my god, I don't god. know what happened, but apparently he was considered, so maybe he didn't want to do it. I don't know, maybe he was too expensive. I don't know, too expensive. I don't think at that time, no, no, probably not. I think he's coming off of like Donnie Darko but at J- that time. Jake Gyllenhaal as he would have John been Connor, unbelievable. Would have been and fantastic. look, I know that's a bit of a taboo name to say right now because uh, oh, it's a Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Hey, hey, oh. look, man, all too well. Have you watched it? I have not. Oh God, Jake's. But, uh, Does he tell stories or is no, it a I'm song? Kidding, I am no, no, no. I legit don't know anything oh, don't about know, this. So, okay. I know she released well, some we're stuff. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna take a little side road here and talk about Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal's relationship. They dated. I know that. I know time. that they were involved like, a long time but, ago. But it was only like three months. I know. So, but she must have. Did she release something that about she, it? She. So uh, she's redoing all of her albums. Yes. 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 And re-released her Red album, yes. which is her fourth album. Yes. I know so much about Taylor Swift. And on that album, <laughs> when she did release the album originally, there was a song on there called All Too Well. Okay. That was written about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. On this new album, that song is still there, but there is a new version that is 10 minutes long. And there is a short film that accompanies it. And it's it's very... Is it an actor playing Jake Gyllenhaal? No, but it's very uh, implied that it's There's him. an actor playing so, the boyfriend so, well, no, and we know actor, it's supposed to be him. The actor is uh, Dylan O'Brien. Oh my God. And he, and he is paired up with this younger actor. The, the only thing I know her from is um, she was in the Fear Street movies. Okay, yeah. She was in... She was a redhead. She was in Fear Street 2 and 3. But she's paired up with her and the implication is because Dylan O'Brien is like 30. Yeah. And this girl's she's like... She's younger. She's 19. And yeah. at the time... That's what when it, Taylor they, Swift yes. was... Yes, dating yes. he was tw- jake 29 her like 20 and a big reason they broke up was because of the age thing but they only dated for like three months so the fact that she was able to pull out a 10 minute song out of a three-month relationship is mind-blowing i've just heard nothing like oh, oh jake joan hall how could he and i was like i have no idea but like the, it's the lyrics gotcha. that like apparently are very like there's no mercy on jake joan hall is what I want to say. There's no mercy. But anyway, let's get back to Terminator. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I wanted to go so, on a little side road Taylor Swift decided, hey, let us know if you want to hear a bonus episode <laughs> where we talk about Taylor Swift's uh, albums. So, or re- redone albums. Redone uh, albums. Put us in the comments. Yeah, get it, us on Twitter. Us on let Twitter. us know. We'll do, we'll do a music show. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's Jake Hall would have been great though. That's what I want to say. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Fantastic Absolutely. Actor. Like, well, I don't know. You do what you need to do to get him in this I movie. know. So, director Jonathan Mostel always wanted Claire Danes for the role of Kate. So this uh-huh. is what I applied to or alluded to earlier. He could not initially get her. Okay. So I don't know why, um, but he could not get her. So instead he casted Sophia Bush. I know she's like, she's. I know she's a TV. Right, right. I okay. want to say One Tree Hill, maybe? I feel like you might be right about that. Um, I, I, I really don't know anything about that. No, no, no. But yeah, so 
Uh, Dawson's she, Creek. I don't know. <laughs> she was cast in the role, The Wonder Years. Yeah, now, she was cast in the role, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out because he kind of felt like she looked and felt too youthful. Like mm. she, you know, it just wasn't getting like the like. I don't know what the age difference is. I don't think it was much, but like she just looked too young or like not really fitting the role. Okay. Eventually, he did have to replace her, and apparently, in that time, Claire Danes did read the script and decided she wanted to accept the role. But they oh, kind cool. of she like. Like, they were, like, filming, like, now. Like, they were like, hey, we're going to, you know, you want the <laughs> role? We're filming tomorrow. Yeah. Like, so, you like. Need, she, you need to be on set tomorrow. So, or, like, within a couple of days. So, like, she literally had no time to prepare for this. Wow. And just a quick turnaround. And she, we'll talk about it next week, but kind of was like, yeah, like, it wasn't. Not that the movie experience in the movie is bad. Like, they were, everybody was great. But because of the situation. Right. It wasn't the best experience because I'm in this daze and. I'm confused and everything's moving so quickly. Right. But they did feel like that maybe works for the character because that's kind of the whole character. It's or, kind of a confusion thing where she's like, what the hell is going on? Exactly. Right. So it's like, hey, well, maybe we can use it to our benefit. Yeah. Some other fun facts. After the release of the second film. So I have a lot of stuff here. I'm going to try to condense it. Basically, it, it, it is like how this movie came to be, the third movie. And, and basically, after the release of the second film, many people who were involved didn't want to make a third one because, you know, it is successful middle on a money. Right. Mario Kassar, like I mentioned, he was a producer. Uh-huh. He wanted it. Gail Ann Hurd, who was involved from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. She wanted it. And, you know, they shared a belief that, you know, they did think that a third film would eventually be made. James Cameron himself even showed interest in developing another film oh, in the franchise. Cool. But due to several factors... Including Mario Casar's production company, Carlo Co., who, you know, did help make the T2. Right. It, it filed for bankruptcy in 1995. Oh, God. So, the film never really got off the ground. Then there was a couple, there was a kind of a bidding war for the rights of the, of the, of, I don't know if it's the rights of the franchise or just the third movie. Or just T3. Yeah. But there was a bidding war and basically Fox became the front runner to get those rights and everybody kind of believed they would get those rights. Yeah. And I believe it is the franchise, but... And, uh, you know, they did intend to get those the, the rights to franchise and make a third movie. Right. And they were going to get Cameron and Arnold and Linda Hamilton all back. And they yeah. were going to make another yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah. In 1997, Fox spent around nine months discussing negotiations with Cameron. Cameron committed to writing and producing the third film. And he did reserve a right to, if he wanted to, direct the third film. Oh, wow. So, you know, he is involved. He's actively like, he, going for um, it. You know, I, I, maybe I will make this. Fox wanted to make the film uh, for around the same budget as the second one. Which was about ninety-five to a hundred million dollars. Okay, cool. But you know, when the with the rights purchase, and you know, we mentioned Arnold had a huge salary last time. Yeah. Another huge salary this time. Right. We'll talk about it in a little bit. <laughs> you know, it kind of became impossible for the film to be made for that budget, and they went on to obviously not make the movie. And at one point, like Arnold apparently went to James Cameron, and they and tried to convince him that hey, let's buy the rights ourselves. And make the movie, and we can kind of do <laughs> really? like we can like we can kind of sell the rights to you know a studio and kind of get this made. But Jim, we can kind of be in control. Jim, Jim, I have an idea. I'm thinking we buy the rights to Terminator ourselves, and then we sell it. We become the buyers. It, it Jim. Yeah, we have to do it. We have to do it. <laughs> but Cameron had no interest in owning the rights, and he wanted a studio like Fox to handle all that. So in 1997, uh, James Cameron is working on Titanic. He invites his friends Mario Kassar and also their friend Andrew Vagna. It's V-A-G-V-A-J-N-A. Vagna, Vagna. I don't know. Yeah, Vagna. Uh, whatever. Who who was a producer and also was an original co-founder of Carlico with Mario Kassar. So they were they had worked together. These two guys, Mario and and Andrew. Right. They are friends with James Cameron. They come to see uh, Titanic. 
apparently while they were there, they found out that the rights for the Terminator franchise were still available. Oh, wow. And they quickly went into negotiations for the rights uh, with basically the plan of, like, let's let's create another production company, which, if your other one went bankrupt, maybe not a best, great idea, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, let's create another production company and let's use T3 as its first movie as to, launch to, launch, pad, to yeah. launch it. This apparently upset James Cameron. Uh, he did sure. not. He did not like that because... Yeah. His friends did not discuss any of these plans with him, and he were he was apparently with them. This happened within days, right? And he was just with them. They didn't mention any interest or any plans. I'd be a little to do this too. exactly. Yeah. This would apparently lead to the end of their friendship. Oh, so wow. I think that this may be kind of why he he distanced himself from Terminator. Interesting. I don't know, but like this seems like he was just burned, and he doesn't want to be involved in it anymore. And maybe huh. he doesn't want to do. That's why I'm kind of surprised he's doing all these Avatar films. But I think you know he he has a studio. He's working with Fox now, Disney, I guess. Right. You know, and he's making it, and it sounds like they're kind of letting him do whatever he wants. Like it sounds like James Cameron's off in James Cameron land doing James Cameron things. James Cameron is probably twenty thousand leagues under the sea right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it seems like he kind of got burned by this whole thing, and that right. might be why he didn't have an interest. But basically, Kassar and Wagner eventually did get the rights, and they did try to get James Cameron to write the film, but he refused. And he went on to later say that while he was doing post production at Titanic, he did realize that he was just done with the franchise. He had completed the story that he wanted to tell. James Cameron's out, but, you know, we still want to make this movie. We got to get Arnold. They went to Arnold. Right. Arnold, you know, really good friends with James Cameron. He was hesitant. He was a little nervous to do the movie without Cameron. Right. And a Cameron apparently told him, and I don't know where this quote came from, but it, apparently he did say, just do it and ask for a load of money. Wow. <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to the next fun fact after Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I well, continuing wanna... more of this, yeah. Okay, but... I was going to say, just quickly, it's weird how this franchise kind of has a thing with, like, bankrupt like production companies like obviously with orion that went bankrupt and then they're doing this and again not because this of company. this these movies not but because of these movies but it kind of has this history of ending up in these bankrupt uh studios which is so weird because but i think because they're working with these smaller the smaller ones and production companies yeah and i think so strange yeah. it's a terminator movie yeah but, but it's their other products yeah you know? I, I understand so, i understand see so yeah, that's basically uh, he told him to ask for a bunch of money and he he uh, james cameron did argue that the character of the terminator belonged to arnold as much as it did to him. Right. And during an interview, Arnold basically did confirm this, saying that James Cameron told him to just take the money and run. Right. So you're saying, like, this did feel like a cat, uh, a, a paycheck movie. It basically It basically is. is. Right. So uh, Ridley Scott and John McTiernan were apparently considered to direct the film. After John James McTiernan, a guy yep. he's worked with before. Yep. After James Cameron was no longer attached. Uh, the film has a famous deleted scene. I did show you this earlier. Yes. Showing that all the Terminators are modeled off of a... <laughs> A man named Sergeant Candy, who is played by Arnold, yeah. with a dubbed over heavy Southern accent. And it's basically this this informational video about uh, cyber tech, not yeah. Cyberdyne, cyber tech. Because Cyberdyne went down and they got the rights to, all the, to their projects. Right, right. Which I don't know how they got the rights to those projects because those projects should have been destroyed because Milo Dyson's burned that building. <laughs> but well, yeah, It's T3, it's different. <laughs> But uh, basically, you know, it is this Sergeant Candy kind of walking them through of like, you know, howdy, y'all, you know. Hey there, y'all. What's going on? Hey, this is Cybertech and Cyberdon. I don't know what we are. And I'm Sergeant Candy. I'm Sergeant Candy. 
And, you know, like, literally, like, showing off parts of the Terminator, and he's showing off his physicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> one of the um, scientists or whoever yeah, goes, watching it, he goes, uh, yeah, this looks great, but uh, do we really need that accent? Do we, we need to fix his voice. We need to fix that accent. And another scientist next to him turns to him, and he speaks, and in Arnold's voice, he says, We'll fix it. <laughs> so... That's clearly, you know, it's hinting at where his voice and his look came from. So but are those questions that we really need answers? We didn't need answers to that. Apparently, Arnold stops at a gas station to refuel, and this is the same gas station from the previous two films oh, that cool. we saw. Uh, the one in which pregnant Sarah stops at the end of the first film, and the one they ca- they camp at, uh, breaking Sarah out of the hospital. Nice. So Arnold gave one point four million dollars of his own salary to make sure that the scene of him crashing through the glass building was filmed during that car chase. Wow. And uh, and included in the film because Jonathan Mostel was afraid the film would run behind and go over budget. So he wasn't exactly confident. And Arnold said, well, you know, take some money and I want this in the movie. Right. So we have heard of some actors and people doing that. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? The third section I want to talk about real quick, Arnold's contract. Arnold was paid $29.25 million, which was a record at the time. It was also Jesus. written into his contract that it was pay or play. We mentioned this before, uh, and he would get paid even if the film was not made. He would also get a perk package that included $1.5 million for private jets, a fully equipped gym trailer, three-bedroom deluxe suites on location, round-the-clock limousines, and personal bodyguards, like he even needs them. Yeah. But uh, And he also apparently received 20% of the gross of the film from every market in the world, including box office, videos, DVDs, television license, in-flight entertainment, game license, and so on. That's insane. Until the film reached its what they call cash break-even point. Arnold also had a pre-approval clause in the film that not only gave him choice of the director and principal cast, but also his hairdresser, makeup man, driver, stand-in, stunt double, the unit publicist, his personal physician, and his cook. The contract caused the film to have a legal and accounting budget of $2 million. That's incredible. So, that's incredible. What a diva. He, no, no, no. He's listening to James Cameron. Yeah, that's true. He is listening to James Cameron. <laughs> so, he didn't care. Take the money and run. <laughs> Let's talk about the future of this franchise. Uh, should there have been a sequel to this? To this movie? To T3. With the way they leave it, I think you could. Could. I mean, and they, they absolutely could. They basically They basically do. do. They like, basically do. Yeah. But if it's going to be in the same vein that we just saw of a kind of a middling action movie, I don't think I'd want that. Yeah, I mean, this sets up the future war and, uh, you know, it could be an interesting choice to explore. But, you know, it, overall, the movie does kind of hurt the momentum of the franchise. So Agreed. You take not, not as long as they had previously, but they do take right. a little bit of time before they make another movie. Right, right. So I don't think that that is you know accidental mm. so what do you want to see in the future i just want to see a great uh we we're going to talk about it but yeah. like next week but i want to see john connor as the leader of the resistance yep. i want to see him yep. full-on leader of the resistance taking down terminators and just going all out that's yeah. what i want to see straight yeah. up action movie yeah but basically a continuation of this ending yeah and john connor finding his place as the leader of the resistance what franchise star would you add to this if you are continuing this? Okay, so let's say we finish Terminator 3. They say we're going to make 4. Yeah. They say we're going to make 4. Yeah. It's not Salvation. They're well, just kind of saying and you could do it, T4's hey, on the way. You could do it, hey, it's around the same time. Or you could do it like, hey, yeah. it's so let's 2009. Say, let's, say, we... let's say T4, it's going to be out in two years. Okay. We're going to work on this. So 2005. So it's 2005. Thank you. Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's not bad. Val Kilmer. Yeah. As... The, I think he. I think as he's, a Terminator, he's lost some of his bankability at this point. I think 
2005 Val Kilmer, I think, is still okay. Well, he did. When did he do Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? 2005. Yeah, so that's... But that was kind of like the last... Like the first thing he had done in a while and the last thing he would do for a while. And I know that he would go on to have health reasons to explain why he's not actively doing really know, things oh, right aware. now. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, so, I think he'd be great. I mean, obviously, we get Christian Bale in the next movie, and that is the obvious answer. Right, right. You know, I'm, again, I'm looking at, like, 2009. I think Robert Downey Jr. can make a great, like, veteran soldier in the Resistance. You know, yeah, somebody who's kind yeah. of been through it. Sure. He's coming off of Iron Man, right. or he's filming Iron Man gotcha, around the same gotcha, time. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, Sandra Bullock would make a great Resistance soldier we or leader. We bring her name up so much. I, I, absolutely. We won it. <laughs> and uh, I know at the time he was committed... But I think Daniel Radcliffe would do a good job in this franchise as well. Ooh, He's yeah. an up-and-coming franchise yeah. star. Obviously, he is Harry Potter. I know that during oh, that this schedule would have been insane. yeah, and I know I think this is Half Blood Prince is the year this was that was released, I believe. Yeah, I think and, it was 09. And um, you know, I know again, I know he's locked down, but if they could get him, like you know, he would be really good. Yeah. And and they do have you know like a teenager or a younger man playing like Kyle Reese or whatever. So I'm not saying he needs to play Kyle Reese, It'd but be, like something along that line. Like right. it's not like I know he's younger than a lot of the other actors, but he could still fit into. He'd, he'd be a tough uh, tough guy to get for those movies too, because I know he. He doesn't really touch franchises anymore. No, no. Which is funny. Again, this is you know this is like an alternate timeline and absolutely. And, and absolutely. hey, he is he's not yet out of the Harry Potter movies. They offer him the role. He, him. He's able to do yeah, it. Maybe you and, catch him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Let's rank <laughs> these films. Really, really easy this to is do. Still easy. Let's start at number three. Number three, the worst movie, Terminator Two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Number Dude. three, Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Number two, The Terminator. And number one. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely the rankings. There's no arguing here. Um, I know some people, there are some people who do put one above two, but not, not, not me. I think those are for people who saw yeah, it's an, it's again, saw it's that in, the in theaters yeah. in 1984. That's their thing. So, but uh, I think it's a fair Do you have anything to say before we wrap up this episode? You know, this was a good movie. I'm glad we talked about it. Like, yeah. I think it's actually improved my opinion I on feel it better about more. this movie after talking um, about it. And I'm, 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 ex- I'm glad we talked about it. We, I, I'm, I think I'm going to bump it to three stars, too. I think yeah. I am going to put Let's it there. Let's keep it three stars. Yeah. Um, this isn't as bad as... I think people made it out to be. It's not awful. Yeah. And I think it's definitely worth the watch. And while it may not hold up to the legacy of yeah. one and two, I think it's a pretty a pretty fun third film. Yeah. This is where we start to see nostalgia becoming a problem for yeah. a lot of people. We don't have that nostalgia. A lot of people say, well, that's not what happened in that movie, and that's not what they said. So I understand I, I completely understand and respect where those fans have those problems. Right. We don't have that attachment, and that's something we'll talk about uh, maybe even next week. Yeah. To the these movies so it the stuff like that doesn't bother at least me and i'm pretty sure us right you know, right so. i agree um all right well cool. you're good to go you can we can wrap this up andrew you're you can close it out so it is all two pages. Right. So. yeah oh it's two pages yeah good Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. and that's another one of the books my friend we've knocked another one out of the park we are just hitting home runs this every is, single week is this the best podcast of all time i think it is no it's not. ah well <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, Tony, and we appreciate everybody for their support. If you can find us on, you can find if you can find us. No, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FranchiseMePod. You can see all of our rankings on Letterbox. Just search Franchise Me, one word, and you can send us an email at FranchiseMePod or FranchiseMePod at gmail.com. I am just screwing this up. 
Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback so we can get better each week. Obviously, I'm failing on this front, so we really need that. Join us next week as we head into the future to fight against the machines and Terminator Salvation. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Under two hours. Ha! <laughs>